So John chapter 19, beginning at verse 16. This is God's holy word. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Beloved, Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Our Savior, the God-man, mediator, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life. He obeyed the Ten Commandments completely and continually while on this earth. He loved God and loved his neighbor with perfect moral purity. And even as God the Son incarnate in his humanity, then, he honored his father and mother. As Jesus was born and then grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man in that home, in Nazareth, what an experience that must have been. For Joseph and Mary. Have you ever employed your sanctified imagination 
Jesus was never sinful, never in the wrong, never needed to ask forgiveness. His parents would have had to ask him on occasion, no doubt, but he never needed to ask forgiveness from them. He always kept the fifth commandment in every godly, appropriate way. And even now on the cross, as we've just heard John 19, even in his greatest suffering, this third saying of our Savior from the cross shows that Jesus was considering others before himself. And he was still fulfilling all righteousness as our covenant head in our place so that we could have a perfect righteousness before God imputed to us and received by faith alone. This is what's involved as we come here to the third saying from the cross. We've already heard, I trust you remember, a word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And a word of assurance to the one thief, today you will be with me in paradise. And now, thirdly, we have a word of caring concern from the lips of Jesus, here in particular for his mother, Mary. We want to consider this third saying from the cross in two senses. First, in terms of what it shows us regarding earthly relationships. And then secondly, what it would have to say in terms of gospel relationships. So earthly relationships and gospel relationships. Well, first, the earthly. When Jesus was born, boys and girls, you know, Mary was his mother. There was no face on the earth that Jesus' face resembled more than hers. But Joseph was his stepfather, as it were. Luke, 20, Luke 3.23 says, Luke says, Now when Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry, he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Because you know Luke 1.35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so uh, a mother and a stepfather, but Joseph honored, uh, Jesus honored his parents, Joseph and Mary. In Luke 2.51 we read, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. It's the word for submit, submission. Jesus was submissive to Mary and Joseph. And now here, many years later, Jesus is at Golgotha. On a cross, he's about to die. And he continues to fulfill his duty to his mother. 
It's walking in the footsteps of David of the Old Testament who had a similar concern for parents. 1 Samuel 22, verse 3, From there David went on to Mizpah and Moab and said to the king of Moab, Would you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? He had a concern to take care of parents. It's in a section discussing widows in the church that Paul wrote in the New Testament in 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I think most often we think of that as parents having an obligation to take care of their children. But in the context, the primary application is for children to take care of aging parents. And so Jesus is having a word here of caring concern for his mother Mary. Joseph, most assume, must have died sometime prior to this. Some have asked, why not his brothers? We don't know. They, at this time, not yet believers. John 7, 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. It's not until later in the book of Acts we see them associating with the church. Jesus, even while he lived, could say foxes have holes and birds have nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He had really no earthly resources. The soldiers gambled for his last possession of any worth, a seamless robe that was taken from him. And so when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And so here are the two two characters in the story at this point. At the foot of the cross of Jesus. There's Mary and, and the other women there at the cross. One writer said last at the cross, first at the tomb, these women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there on Golgotha. One writer said, she it was who first planted kisses on that brow, now crowned with thorns. Experiencing now what Simeon had said so many years before. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's Mary. And the disciple whom Jesus loved was there. Most agree that this was John, the writer of the gospel, referring to himself in a humble way anonymously as it were, but also in a beautiful gospel way. 
We don't read about the disciple who loved Jesus, though he did, but the disciple whom Jesus loved. And that's most significant, isn't it? This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But John's there. We could say he's there again. Matthew 26, 56, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. There was a time when no one was there. And it must be so as part of the suffering of Christ. The high priest enters the Holy of Holies alone. Only he could do the work. Jesus was the only one qualified to do the work of sacrifice and sacrificing himself. And in wrath, he must be utterly alone. No angel to minister on the cross, no friend to encourage, no father even to console him then. Jesus suffered hellish punishment on the cross. And hell is filled with people who exist in utter aloneness. In hell, no one is with anyone but against everyone. Peter followed at a distance, Matthew 26, 58. But now at the cross, here is John again. He has fled, but he's returned, obviously. And there's wonderful gospel grace in the very fact of the presence of John there. Have you been fleeing Jesus in one way or another? For whatever reason, you've been keeping your distance from Jesus. Judas felt convicted and fled away from Jesus. John must have felt convicted and fled toward Jesus. Back to the cross. Prodigal sons and prodigal daughters are always welcomed back, looking to the cross. Well, here's this scene. And the third, the occasion of the third saying of Jesus from the cross. How does it apply to us today? Well, first, and foremost, we need to see Jesus as the Lord, our righteousness. That he lived the life that we could never live, a life of perfect righteousness before the holy God. As our Savior, as our Redeemer. And then, only then, do we look to Jesus as our example in the Christian life. And here he is the Lord, our righteousness, an example of being the Lord, our righteousness, and our example in the Christian life, in that children are to honor and then care for their parents, where and as they are able. The gospel is otherworldly in its origin, but not in its operations. 
The grace of God saves and sanctifies people in their relationship to God, but also in all our earthly relationships. John Flavel said, I have often told you that it is the honor of the gospel that it makes the best parents and the best children, the best masters and the best servants, the best husbands and the best wives in the world. We live increasingly in a culture, we are told, of elder neglect and even elder abuse. The last two years has brought that into sometimes shocking light. It is a Christian duty to take care of those who once took care of us. That doesn't always look the same. Doesn't mean we will always have our parents in our home at some point, for instance but that we are, have a caring concern for their welfare, that they would be in the best place for them. When I visited the Ganses last week, uh, Rich is there in a home. And that's hard, but that's the best place for him. And you can understand the temptation to feeling guilty about that and even the accusations that come at times from people that his wife ought to feel guilty about that. Caring concern sees that our loved ones are in the best place for them. And if they should be out of our homes that we would never let it be the case that they are out of sight, out of mind. How many of our elderly in the nursing homes and senior facilities around us never get a visit? Do we care for our parents perfectly? No. The Lord, our righteousness. He did perfectly. And we receive that righteousness by faith to cover us and to cover all the ways in which we fall short, even as we have his example to walk in his footsteps. And let me mention just one other thing, as some have pointed out, I think, helpfully, that Jesus gave this duty of care to the one he loved. He saw the disciple whom he loved there and said, woman, behold your son, and here is your mother. Caring for those who need special care is not a punishment. It should be seen as a privilege Could you imagine John hearing these words from the lips of Jesus and saying, looking at Mary and just saying, thanks, but no thanks. I've got enough to deal with. Why are you saddling me with this burden? This woman who needs care. Could you imagine? Of course we couldn't imagine. 
And yet, often the world sees people with special needs only as burdens. And we could be tempted to think that God has just given us a burden in caring for people who need care. He said this to the disciple he loved. He entrusted the care of his mother to someone whom he loved, not someone he hated. It's a privilege. And if we would hear God's providence coming to us as if from the lips of Jesus, how different, how different we would think about caring for those with greater needs than we have. Wouldn't you think differently? If Jesus were to say to you in this particular situation or that, I'm entrusting this person to you. I love you, and would you care for this one whom I love as well? Oh, that should transform it. It should just transform it. There's much here, isn't there, about care and earthly relationships. But is that all it is? Is that all it is? Just a sentimental scene of a suffering mother and a caring son. Gordon Ketty said, Jesus' temporal provision for his mother is a warm but small emblem of that greater provision which he offers himself once for all to bear the sin of many. I think there's something we need to notice here that maybe you heard afresh or you've thought of before. Listen to what Jesus said. He saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and he said to his mother, here I'm reading the NIV, dear woman, here is your son. Does that strike you at all? What do you think he might have said? Don't you think he might have said, dear mother, here's your son? The NIV says, dear mother, the word dear is not in the original Greek. Interestingly, the 2010 or 11 NIV takes out dear. It's better in that sense. They put it in because it sounds so impersonal and cold and harsh. I've never called my mother woman. But that's what Jesus said. As he looked upon them, woman, here's your son. What is going on here? Is Jesus somehow being impersonally cold? Some say perhaps there's a sympathy in Jesus' words here. The word mother, said one writer, would have driven the sword even more deeply into her soul. But if we're thinking about it on that level, we have to be on guard. There, there is an unhelpful, even unchristian sentimentalism that can creep into the cross of Jesus. Do you remember when other women, the daughters of Jerusalem, 
were weeping for Jesus. And he said those startling words to them and probably to us. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and the hills cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Jesus is the green tree. He's the righteous one. And if this is what bearing sin means, then weep for yourselves and the sin in your lives and pray for repentance and saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus doesn't say here, mother, he says, woman. Because Jesus was not just an other son. He is the son of God incarnate who came to do the will of his father in heaven. And he's lifting Mary and John and us, as it were, above the merely earthly. To the realm of the spiritual and to the world of the gospel. Some think that Jesus was even looking ahead to the unbiblical idolization of Mary by the Roman Catholic Church, that he would address her this way. There is another time when Jesus called Mary woman. At the beginning of the gospel, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus And his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. You remember how Jesus responded? Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. The New King James puts it more literally, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You see, our concerns of this life, many of them were not the main concern of Jesus. When his parents saw him after they thought he was with him, returning from the temple when he was 12, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked, Did, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Mary says to Jesus, behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. That was another time of intense sorrow in Mary's life. Have you ever lost a child, even for a, a minute, in the panic that, that sets in? The word means intense pain and anguish and torment. But Jesus was about his father's business. Woman, you should have known. G. Campbell Morgan said that Jesus might have said, Mother, surely you knew well enough to know that nothing could detain me but the affairs of my Father. Jesus came to this world as our Savior, not just as an obedient son. And Mary needed forgiveness. 
more than she needed a retirement plan. Woman. Woman. Mary knew that. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. At the center of Mary's need was not being a homeless mother, but a helpless woman in sin. Mary is blessed among women, but first and foremost, Mary was no different than any other woman born in sin. She is in the same category as the woman at the well. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. And salvation was speaking to that woman as salvation was speaking to this woman from the cross. It's Jesus as Savior speaking to one of his children that Jesus spoke to his mother and showed caring concern. The concern that he shows to all those whom he saves, he puts them into a family and into a household. He puts them into his family. God sets the lonely in families, Psalm 68, 6. And in the family of God, we have mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. This third saying of Jesus from the cross is a word of caring concern. For his mother Mary, in her earthly relations. But this word from Jesus on the cross is a word of caring concern for all the disciples whom he loves.